You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Amen. Dear saints, it is easy to destroy a name. A person could have a great reputation, but the smallest whisper takes it down. I don't know if this has happened to you. It can happen both ways. You could know and respect someone, but then you hear some sort of rumor, and their reputation is in your mind wrecked. It's sullied or... Perhaps you've been on the getting end of this sort of thing. A rumor was started about you, a whisper, a sideways word, and now your good name is in the tank. We talk, I think at least we talk this way, about a sullied reputation. Like like a reputation is a white shirt that gets a stain on it. Or we talk about dragging someone's name through the mud. You take that white shirt and you drag it in the dirt and you ruin a person's name. Now, God has given us the Eighth Commandment to protect our good name and that we would protect our neighbor's good name and reputation. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him. Speak well of him and explain everything in the kindest way. Now, that's God's confirmation that he wants us to have a good name. And that a good name is worth protecting. And if that's true with us, how much more is it true with God's name? Now, this is the business of the second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. So the Lord also has a reputation, a name. And that name can be misused or abused or profaned. My high school football coach would never let us put our names on our jerseys. We wanted to, but he wouldn't. It was only the school name on the back. And he would emphasize this every time we'd travel anywhere. You are not out there playing for your name, but under the name of your school, either for good or for ill. Your actions reflect the name of our school. Now, something similar goes on with the Lord's name. And we see it in the Old Testament text. The Lord has put His name on the people so that His reputation is bound up to them. If the people believe the Lord and they believe His word, if they come to the temple for the sacrifice and for the testimony of the blood, there spilt the Lord's name would be hallowed. But if they would pray, or if they also would pray and look to the Lord their God for all good gifts, then the Lord's name would be holy, set apart. But if they were to run after other gods, go and worship the idols or the Baals, pray to the demons, break God's commandment through rebellion or violence or profanity or greed or any such thing, then the Lord's name would be profaned. It would be dragged through the mud with them. And this is exactly what they had done. From the gospel or from the Old Testament reading, verse 22, therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, 
but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. The people had profaned God's name, desecrated it, stained it, made it unclean through their idolatry and through their violence. And now the Lord comes with the threat of vindication, with the promise to vindicate his name, to set it apart and to make it holy. And how do you suppose he's going to do this? You know, if we were, uh, back to the football team, if we were uh, behaving poorly while wearing our uh, football jersey, the coach would sit us on the bench first or take it from us and kick us off the team. And I suppose that's how we're tempted to think about the Lord bringing, uh, vindicating his name. Remember how it was when they had profane the Lord's name with the golden calf in Mount Sinai, the Lord tells Moses that he's going to come down there and simply wipe the people out. That would fix the problem. If there are all these sinners bringing sin and idolatry to the Lord's name, then getting rid of sinners would get rid of the sin. That would do the trick. It would make his name holy again. But something incredible happens on that day. Moses prays that the Lord would repent of his plans to destroy the people, and he prays this based on the Lord's name and reputation. Here's the prayer of Moses, part of it, from Exodus 33. Why, Moses asks the Lord, should the Egyptians say, with evil intent the Lord brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume their face from the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. And the Lord does. So that rather than vindicating his name by destroying the people, the Lord is pleased to vindicate his name through mercy. In fact, his name is founded on mercy and grace. His reputation is loving kindness. So listen again to what the Lord promises the idolatrous people who drag his name through the mud Uh, This is the Old Testament reading. And listen especially for all of the I wills that the Lord promises. Here's the text. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle water on you and you will be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. So that the Lord's name is vindicated in his kindness, in his rescuing, in his delivering, in the gift of salvation. The Lord's name is vindicated in the gift of baptism. That's what this means, the sprinkling you with water and taking out your heart of stone and giving you a heart of flesh. That's baptism and all the treasures of heaven that come with it. The Holy Spirit, a new heart, new desires to keep the Lord's law and the true worship of God, which is faith that receives His kindness and gifts. 
This is, in fact, one reason why in baptism the Lord puts His name on us, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He, he's binding His name to you, His reputation to you. He's binding Himself up to you. How wonderful. So that He put His name on you, His people, and specifically in the forgiveness of your sins. When the Lord vindicates His name, it is not an act of vengeance or of anger or of justice, but an act of kindness and mercy and salvation. Now, to the Gospel reading in Luke 5. The Lord Jesus comes. The Lake Gennesaret is another name for the Sea of Galilee. And the Lord comes and He finds there fishing. They'd been fishing all night. Uh, Peter, James, and John. And He goes out on the boat and He teaches. And then He says to Peter, put your net down and uh, see what's there. And Peter says, we haven't caught anything all night, but at your word we'll do it. And they drag in more fish than they probably had ever seen. It's, it's amazing to me that Jesus is going to call them away from their job of fishing just after they had the best catch that they ever had. The best day of the work is your last day. That's how it is for these guys. And he calls them away from the nets to serve the church. Now, I've heard a lot of sermons on the text, and they go something like this. Just like Jesus calls the disciples and they left everything to follow him, now Jesus is calling you to leave everything and follow you. But this is to follow him. But this is not true. That's not what the text means. The calling of the disciples is unique in history. Jesus does not call you to leave everything. In fact, the opposite is true for Christians. Paul says, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 20, Each one should remain in the condition that he is when he was called. Now, this doesn't mean that when we're baptized, we keep on sinning. But if we are married, we stay married. If we are working, we stay working. When Jesus calls us to be as Christians, he doesn't call us like the disciples to leave everything behind and follow him. He baptizes us where we are so that in baptism we can rejoice in our daily calling. And what this means is that when we hear Jesus calling the twelve disciples, we we don't apply that to ourselves, but we rather rejoice that Jesus here is giving these twelve men as gifts to us, the church, to establish the church of the New Testament, that they would write down the things that Jesus taught and the things that he did, that these twelve disciples would give to us the teaching of the Lord's mercy and preserve for us the institutions of the New Testament, baptism and the Lord's Supper, so that this calling of Peter and James and John is the beginning of the one holy Christian and apostolic church. And in this calling of the disciples to establish the church, Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy of Ezekiel. He is vindicating the Lord's name. He is seeing to it that the mercy and kindness of God is brought to us, to his people, so that he institutes the forgiveness of sins, the gift of baptism, the eating and drinking of his body and blood, the setting of sinners free, cutting out our cold and stony hearts and giving us hearts of flesh, beating with the mercy of the Holy Spirit, so that the Lord will vindicate his name with you. And this doesn't mean that he will punish you, that he will kick you off the team, that he will be through with you, that he'll bring his wrath to you. None of this. He will vindicate his name with you. 
by forgiving you all your sins. For the Lord has a reputation to keep. A reputation of kindness. A reputation of mercy. A reputation of patience and long-suffering. And he will keep his name and his reputation with you. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.